0: So come on me in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning.
1: Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Kara. Welcome to Town and Field Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. And as we prepare to
2: gather and open up the scripture and worship, we pray that wherever you are at would become an encounter with Jesus and that you would be reminded of the abundant life that's found in him.
1: Yeah, we just pray that your home would become an extension of this house, that you would feel welcome here just as you are. Our service will begin in just a moment.
2: Uh, Nathan, it's a pleasure to be leading you in song this morning. Why don't you all stand up? And uh, we'll sing together. I was in darkness all of my life. I never knew the day from the night. The spirit, you made me see. I swore I knew the way on my own. A head full of rocks, a heart made.
1: Keep that going, actually. Keep that going. Keep that going. I'd love to just read us a scripture that was coming to mind when we were declaring that truth and that reality that God is for us. It comes from the book of Romans. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he says to them in the eighth chapter, he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with his, with him, graciously give us all things? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality is, is that there is nothing you can do to separate the love of God from you. And I was talking to some people just in the last couple of weeks about just some, some hard stuff in their life. And in some of their situations, support decisions in their life. But the reality is, even though sometimes in our life we make decisions or sin in our life, there's things that happen. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that could re- remove us from his love. There's nothing that could remove us from relationship with him. Because God is always pursuing you and he's for you. And sometimes we can go through life and be like, go through some stuff and be like, is God for me? Is God really there in this with me? And then we go to Romans. In the 8th chapter, it's like God is so for you that you, he, you can never even remove his love from you. And Paul is edifying this church in Rome. Do not be discouraged. Do not be disheartened. Do, do not be dismayed. And so as this morning we declare this. I'd love to, maybe we can go back into that one more time. I don't know if it's the bridge or the chorus. It's just whatever part of that song. And let's just declare it, church, right? Like, fam, can we just declare that in this place? That maybe you came this morning out of routine or rhythm. But, like, let's just, let's just remember where we are. We're in a moment where we're coming into an atmosphere of encounter. We're coming into a moment in the presence of God. And, all, and this moment is a moment that you have in your week where we get to give back glory and honor and adoration to God for all that he's done and all that we can receive. And so can we declare this as an anthem? Can we declare that he is for us? That he's not against us? That we are more than conquerors? Come on team, let's, let's, let's lead this. It's going to be so good today, I'm telling you. Why don't we take a moment, say hi to the person by you, maybe somebody find somebody new, say hi, welcome, good morning. Yesterday was the first day of fall. Does that make some people happy? Does that make some people happy? To, to commemorate that, to honor that, I had pumpkin pie yesterday. It just felt appropriate, you know. So I went to the store and I was with Tay and I was like, she's like, you know, it's not like you pie, well, I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I don't pie, I don't buy pie every day. Maybe you do. But uh, Tay's like, oh, why are you getting pie? I was like, well, it's, it's I just feel like it's festive, you know, so, um. It's nothing like that pumpkin pie, right? Am I right? Yeah. Amen. Man, there's so many good things going on in the the heart of our community. And one of them that uh, I'm excited just to comment on this morning is this. is in the spring, uh, I I had the great pleasure of just announcing um, in May or something that we had like 12 new members. And then this morning I have another list of new members uh, that uh, are in the community. And you're like, what is that? What is that? Uh, membership is this idea that when, when we've been talking about this idea of the local church and the community of the local church, uh, we get to that place where, like, I'm committed here. Like, I'm committed to the people. I'm committed to the vision and the cause. And we do this thing where we join membership. And membership is saying, I'm committed here beyond just, like, um, attendance or showing up to the right stuff, but being like, I'm all in here. And so, uh, really, I would love to call it, like, welcome to the family. What we call it membership, but I'd love to call it welcome to the family, and really it's like we're going to that next, that next um, step, and so there's a bunch of people that just, I would love to just um, shout them down this morning um, from joining uh, into membership, which is Ali Tekovec, Michelle Allen, Dave Elliott, Naomi Cracked, Tyler Cracked, I'm probably saying your last name wrong, Tatiana Stair, Shannon Koshman, and Thomas Koshman, and so can we just give them a big shout If uh, if membership, uh, if, that, if you're not a member, but you're like, yeah, I'm committed here is probably the next best step for you, to be honest. And as your pastor, just to help you move in your discipleship, to help you move in your spiritual formation, I'd love to encourage you to consider it. So on the website, if you go under next steps, there's two links under next steps. One is baptism, one is membership. Uh, click on membership, and then uh, you can explore it through there. And then there's an online form you just fill out, and that, that fires off to the membership committee, and then... Somebody from there will follow up with you. I would strongly encourage you if you're like TNF. I'm committed to the community of TNF. I would strongly, I would strongly encourage you to consider membership. And so, um, so, and if you have more questions, you can ask Pastor Rich about that. So, uh, we have been in a series called Culture and Foundations, and we started two weeks ago with Vision Sunday. And on Vision Sunday, we talked about. Uh, that our vision to see all people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus comes out of John 10.10. 10. And what a great week that was. And out of John 10.10, 10, I'd love to just read it for us. I've been reading it every week because I think it's important that we get John 10 in our spirit. And I'd love to read it again. And then we're going to unpack uh, our third our third week in the series. And, and we'll go there uh, once we read John 10. So out of John 10, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, very truly I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the, sheep have, uh, but, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Some translations say that they may have life, abundant life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they and the sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from, receive from my Father. Our vision is that people would experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus. And so we've been working over the last few weeks, we start with our vision like at 30,000 feet, and it's kind of like this funnel. And then last week, we talked about the reality that we have two, we, our foundation is, is twofold. It's One is spiritual formation, practicing the way of Jesus. That as we apprentice under Jesus, we adopt Jesus' lifestyle, and we get formed into his likeness. So really, another way of saying that is simply we're, we're calling people, we're pointing people, and we're journeying with people towards Jesus. Regardless of where people are on their, on their journey with Jesus. Like last week I was hanging with people that, that I had invited. And they were here and they are like, we're just trying to figure out who Jesus is, right? And it's like, and then some of you have known Jesus for a long time. It doesn't matter where you are. Everyone's moving in a direction. So our hope is that we're moving people in the direction towards Jesus. All we're ever doing is pointing people towards Jesus. That's our spiritual formation. And the second part of our foundation is that we're relentless about building the local church. That in the New Testament... The, the, the last third of the scriptures is that all we see is the establishment of the church, and then it's the church is the plan. If the church is the people, that means you and I are the plan. And we discussed that last week, so if you miss it, I would just encourage you to catch that and watch that. And so as we work down our funnel, so we're like, we want to see all people experience the abundant life of Jesus. And as we work down the funnel, it's like, we, there's two expressions of that, spiritual formation and building the local church. But then we want to funnel it down more. Like, how are we going to do that on the ground? What does that look like? Like, why do we do the things that we do? Why are we invested in the things that we're invested? Why don't we do the things that we don't do, right? Because we're not a buffet. You know, this one time I was in Vegas, and I was there with my good friend John. My parents used to love vacationing in Vegas. It's like an Alberta thing. Albertans love Phoenix. Arizona and they love Vegas, and I don't know why it's a thing, but we'd go to Vegas. And one time we used my dad's place, and we went there, and I took my friend John, and uh, we tried to do the the trip on a budget, and so we and budget friendly people, and it's like, and we went there and went to this one place called Circus Circus. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a hole, right? And so we went to the hole because we were on a budget, and they had like a ten dollar buffet. Can I let you know what you get for ten dollars on a buffet? It's it's terrible. It's crap. It's just like. It's it's like soggy fries and and it, well everything was just soggy and this was like some things were supposed to not be soggy like you know and it was like this is this was just like the worst buffet experience and sometimes when i think about leadership we try to do so much that we actually just we just make everything soggy and nothing's effective and i love this great book by Jim Collins good to great it's a leadership book he talks about this idea that to be effective and efficient and hit your targets you cannot be a buffet you cannot do everything So the question here is, what are we focused on so that we can see our vision become a reality to see people experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus? And so there's things that we're committed to, and I call them our four strategic priorities. Four strategic priorities. It's not all we do, but it's the four that it's like, these are of utmost priority to us as a community of people. So that we can see people experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus. And the first one is this, our collective gatherings is of utmost importance to me, and to our team, and to our church, and to our community. Because Why is that? Because we experience the presence of God in atmospheres of encounter. We come with expectations when we come to our collective gatherings. Sunday morning is probably um, one of our main expressions of our collective gatherings, but it's not exclusive to that. But when we gather in community, when we gather in these collective moments, We come with an expectation, not simply what I've been saying for the last two weeks, that it's just an event that I show up to and then I leave. It's not an attendance thing. It's we're coming as people to meet with the living God. We're coming as people to have an encounter with God. So if we're going to think that way, then we should come with an expectation that we're going to meet with Jesus. So when we walk into our collective gatherings, we should have a mindset of, I wonder what God's going to say today. I wonder what God's going to do today. Am I going to engage in worship? Because it's not a feeling, it's a decision. Your worship isn't what you feel, it's what you decide. So I'm going to decide to worship. Because let me tell you, there's mornings, like you have, I have. Where it's kind to of like, I just don't feel like going there today. But we decide that we're going to go there. And we decide that we're going to enter into worship. So our collective gatherings are, up, are of utmost importance to us. And both in the Old Testament and New Testament, if for the people of God, it was of utmost importance, and the people of God in the Old Testament would gather in the temple courts. They would gather at the tabernacle first, and then when the temple was built, they would gather at the temple to meet with God, to to hear people read the scriptures from the scrolls, to worship him, to be in community. Then we see in the New Testament, the people of God gathering. First, they started gathering in Acts at the temple courts, but then upon persecution, and they were scattered, they started to meet in homes, and local churches started to, to, started to get planted, and people were starting to get reached, and... And the church was growing, so they were meeting in homes. And so we see that. We see in Acts 2 that they would gather in temple courts, but they would also meet in the homes to break bread. It's also, culturally speaking, it's where we lean into some of our spiritual practices. So when we talk about our two foundations, that one is spiritual formation, and we practice the lifestyle of Jesus. It's at our our collective gatherings that some of these uh, practices are expressed. Our practice of scripture, our practice of prayer and community. And so it's vital that in our collective gatherings that it's important to us because it's where we're, it's where we're leaning into the lifestyle of Jesus. And for the, for the sake of time, I wanted to focus on one of them, why I think one is important, which is um, our practice of scripture and the preaching of the word. Scripture is our authority. It's, our, it's, it's how we engage with God. It's how God speaks to us. And so it's our authority, so we want to get in his word, so that's why... Paul speaks about the teaching of the word in 1 Corinthians three. He, he he calls people that first come to Jesus infants. So at one point you and I were, were infant in terms of what we were receiving. He says was like milk. Like we couldn't. You know when you, when you see a baby, it's like they're not on hard food yet. They're just on, they're just on um like milk, and then eventually they move to 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 stuff that they like gnaw with their gums, and then they get to like like the good food. And he's like ah. Oh. Like, learning about Jesus is like that. Your spiritual formation is like that, he says in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you're mere infants. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you are not ready for the solid food yet. And he's speaking to the church in Corinth about their spiritual formation and development. And so as we we exegete, exegete scripture, we get developed in our understanding. So it doesn't matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, right? It doesn't matter if you've known Jesus a long time or if you're just trying to figure out who he is. We're all being formed, and it's through the, it's through the word and through the scripture that we're formed. And so we should be doing that practice on our own time, but it's, a, it's always a practice in our collective gatherings. Here's the other reason I think it's significant. And I, and I love to quote both um, pastor and theologian Daryl Johnson, but also pastor Chris Price. And Daryl says this, he's like, when we're preaching, you're not only preaching to the room, and you're not only teaching, but you're preaching to the principalities and the powers in the city. And Chris Price goes on to build on that. And he says, the spiritual dynamics of the city, the warfare for people's imagination. Something about preaching feels qualitatively different than teaching a class or running a meeting. As far as the pouring out, the fatigue that comes, the war for your mind afterwards uh, in your mind is is significant. Were, Were people impacted? Was it fruitful? And it's all ramped up after the preach. And he says, and I love it, I'll just say it again at the start. When we're preaching, we're not just preaching to the room or teaching. We're preaching to the principalities and powers in our city. There's something where breakthrough comes when the word is declared. And it's so true. And I know it's true. Two weeks ago when we did Vision Sunday, we talked about the thief. What a Sunday that was. And in that day and the day subsequent to that message, the amount of people that came forward or wrote me or interacted with me saying the thief has been stealing in this area of my life. And some of the stories would probably surprise some of us. Other, others of us that just understand the reality of sin feel our heart breaks for people, but we're like, we're not surprised because we understand sin's very real. And yet there were so many people that now all of a sudden, because we, we, we address that the thief is alive and active, and he's here to, to steal, kill, and destroy, but the good shepherd has come that you may have life and life in abundance. Now people are like, I want that abundant life, and this is what's been going on in my life. And all of a sudden, because the word was declared, and we're declaring it against strongholds in people's lives, now there is opportunity to pray and ask for breakthrough for the things that was stealing in their life. Can I tell you something? That, that the devil wants to see you, that is the thief, wants to see, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And yet when we, when we exegete and we declare the scriptures, we declare the word of God, it, it comes against strongholds. It comes against things in people's lives. That's why after we preach on that, people come and they're like, this has been going on in my life. Can we pray for breakthrough in that? Can we pray for healing in that? It's like, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why ne- like next week I'm starting a series on Eden, on identity, purpose, calling, and assignment. Asking, like, who am I? Why do I exist? Can I live a life of significance? Do I have something to do with this life that I'm given? We're going to answer those questions. And I don't think that the thief, I don't think that the devil's happy that people are going to, through God's word, through the scriptures, are going to find out, wow, I have purpose. I have meaning. I was made on purpose for a purpose. I have identity, and it's found in Jesus. And I have an identity because of the one who made me. And I don't think that the devil's happy when people find out their purpose and step into their calling. And why does that happen? Because the word is exegeted, and the word is preached. And so all of a sudden, these pastors, I was listening to these guys talking the other day, and they were going on about how, like, they're so fatigued after, and they're so worn after, and the battle for their mind after, because they're like, oh, that was terrible. Oh, like, that, that I did terrible. I like, because all of a sudden, the thief wants to come in, because de- truth was declared, The the liar comes in, that's the thief, and starts to whisper, you did a terrible job, nobody likes you, that didn't land, you should work harder at it, you're not very good. And then they're like, it's exhausting for the next two days. And it's so true. And it's so true. And this morning, I have so much anxiety before coming up, because it's just like the weightiness of it. And it's not because we're public speaking, it's because there's things going on that we can't see, because Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. And so there's times when we declare God's scripture that the enemy is still trying to whisper in people's ears. And so if you want to do it, you can do it. You can can take over. But I think our collective gatherings are so significant. Here's the last reason. It's also because of community. And I love in Hebrews he says, don't give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. Um, And all the more, as you see the day approaching, and then in Acts 2, we see it again. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread together in homes. I mean, we could go on about 1 Corinthians 12 and the giving of gifts to build up the local expression of the body. But our collective gatherings are of utmost priority to us, because as we enter into the presence of God, we enter into atmospheres of encounter, and we come with an expectation. And so these moments we share week to week isn't just to do something. It's so that we come into an atmosphere where the presence of God is here, Holy Spirit's here, and he starts to move in our lives. And it's, a, and it's powerful, man. Like two weeks ago when somebody came up to me and said, hey, I'm just relapsing in, in my addiction. And it's like we get to pray for breakthrough, and we get to pray for healing, and we get to journey with this. It's like, yes, of course. Why does that happen? Because we had a moment where we got to collectively gather, and Holy Spirit starts to work in somebody's life. So they matter. They're of our utmost priority. Our second priority is next generation, next gen, kids, youth, and young adults. Our desire is that we reach, develop, and release the next generation. Why? Because if our foundation is to build the local church, to build a healthy local church that's impacting our city. Then we care about sustainability, about developing the next generation, and releasing the next generation to opportunity and calling and anointing. And so we care about that. So we're building a local church, but we're also building it now, but we're also building it for the future. Because the things that you and I do, one day it won't be you and I. So we're developing the next generation to raise them up in order to release them into what God has for them. And so, we, and, and so when, we talk about, when we talk about reaching next generation, we're not talking about just like our programs. We're talking about culture. We're not talking about Sunday night youth or, Monday, or Sunday morning right now, all the kids in kid's town, right? We're not talking about Monday night young adults. We're not talking about the program because program changes. We're talking about culture, that our culture is to raise, uh, reach, and develop, and release next generation. And it also significantly matters because 94% of adult people who confess Jesus, that I follow Jesus, made that decision at 18 or younger. 94% of people who confess Jesus made that decision at 18 or younger. And so reaching the next generation is significant if we want to continue to reach people for Jesus. And it's and then in their development, in their spiritual formation, because that's our other foundation, uh, we also want to come alongside families and parents and youth leaders and kids town leaders to see our to see young people lean into the practices of Jesus. And it was fun because Sarah, Pastor Sarah, did this survey back in June with her parents, asking them about spiritual practices, the lifestyle of Jesus, with in their family unit. And so she, I asked her for the stats. It was really fascinating. So she surveyed her parents. She said, "How many of you?" Uh, practice the practice of prayer with your family, 100%. That's really good, y'all are praying. How many of you are doing the practice of scripture reading, 80%. The practice of fasting, 4%. Um, we, let's fast, let's fast. We, we, we can fast. We fasted last week together. Practice of simplicity, 28%. Practice of hospitality, 72%. So this is, these percentages again are like families or parents are saying, yes, I'm doing these spiritual practices, these, this lifestyle of Jesus with my family. Practice of generosity, 72%. Practice of community, 88%. And then my favorite one, practice of solitude, 0%. Because a timeout is not solitude. Put your kid on timeout. You need to practice solitude. Get in your room. It's like, ah, it's not solitude. Maybe for us. It's like, go to your room for an hour. I just need, I need an hour of solitude. Just leave me alone. But we're raising a generation. Let me give you some insights into what's happening. So, because sometimes there's so much going on that's like we miss stuff. Um, in our in 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 our kids department, there's a Wednesday night um, there's a Wednesday night uh, kids girls group named Twist that meets. And so as as I started engaging with them earlier this year, we talked about um, this idea of developing young people. And so this year they're running a a, a pilot project of um, raising up. Uh, leaders in trainings, LIT for short, leaders and training for high school girls. And so with their pilot project, they have nine high school girls who are in the first year of the pilot project, and they're equipping and releasing young, young women who are in high school, giving them ministry and leadership uh, and life skills in order to develop them now in order to release them into opportunity and leadership. Uh, we're developing and releasing young people, and then students, you know, a lot of our students are youth serving town, and summer camp. And then obviously those high school girls and twists. Young adults make up a significant portion of our leadership team across uh, town and field. And, and so in our second service, a lot of young adults, because most of them serve in kids town in the morning and a lot of them serve around. And then also developing young people isn't just young people. It's working with families. And so we're partnering with parents. And this way it looks this way. This is new for us this year. But in, in this November, we're doing a workshop on parenting in the digital age. Self-awareness around digital literacy and like how do I, how do I, how do I parent? And, and bring my kid up spir- with spiritual formation in this complex world. And so there's going to be a special night. And it's not even, it's, it's not even, um, it, we're, we're hosting it for the city, so it's not even like Christian-based. It's, it's just awareness and education on how to parent well. So that's coming up. And then we're going to do a longer one in the new year around the gender discussion, and that's going to happen in winter 2024, and it's going to be multiple weeks. probably going to be an eight-week uh, ses- eight series Anyway so that's coming so we're partnering with parents in that way because when we say we care about next generation that's holistically that's a culture that's not just a program that's a culture and so we're off, so we're going to be offering these things so that we can come around um, parents and young people in order to do that Our young adults uh, we're committed to young adults to develop them in their leadership and life stage and that's why our relationship with TW so, so it, this new thing that we're kind of this relationship with them has been so fun for us we, you know we, they invite us to O day and then um, myself being involved in some of their chapel stuff, and then some opportunities coming down the road. It's been, like, really fun just to see that because we care about young adults. We care about that generation. And then this strategic priority is seen in our local and global partnerships. The Nugugi family uh, was just here from Africa sharing, and they, they run youth and young adult stuff in Kenya. We're obviously partnered with Youth Unlimited in the Lower Mainland. And then even our Burnaby Counseling Partnership, they have a youth, special t- a youth specialist on staff that does counseling with young people. And so it's a culture for us. And then finally, let me just give you a quick picture specifically on this. Because I think God's just moving in this generation. I think he's moving through the ministries here. And I just want to give you a quick, a quick picture on something. So TWIST, this midweek kids um, gathering community for girls, um, this year, because you have to register for the Wednesday night because of t- it gets capped. But this year they had to cap it at 72 girls because there just wasn't enough leadership and then we had to keep ratios. And then nine high school LITs. Um, and then there's like this huge wait list. And I really feel like, can I just, I want to vouch for our kids ministry. I really feel like we could solve the waitlist issue. Because it really bothers me that girls are on a wait list because we just don't have capacity to, to keep bringing in all the, all, the, all, the young, all the young kids. And I really feel like we could problem solve that as a community. Because that, that just bothers me when I hear there's this huge waitlist and we had to cap it at 72 girls. So that bothers me a bit. Let's, can we promise all that? You can talk to Pastor Sarah, and she'll, she'll put you on the right track. Second, Kidstown Summer Camp this past year, they cap it at 100 kids. So after, when they were debriefing, I joined them for the debrief. I was like, why you cap it at 100 kids? Because there was a huge wait list. They said, oh, we just don't have enough leaders to bring in kids off the wait list. We, we just cap it at 100. And so I said, give me the dates for next year. So Sarah gave me the dates, July 15th to 19th. Don't take vacation. July 15th to 19th, 2024. Would you consider not going on holidays that week so that we could, we could bring in another, like, I don't know what their wait list. Uh, it was quite significant. But we could bring in more kids to kids camp because we, we, it's our culture that we care about next gen. And one of the challenges, is obviously in July, I, I took most of the month off, so I'm guilty as charged. I peaced out of here. I was like, I'm out of here. It's July. Just like all of you do. And Sarah's just like, so many people are away. I was like, just give me the dates. And I already promised Sarah I would not leave town that week so I could help with kids down down summer camp right because it bothers me that our wednesday night girls program is having to cap it 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 bothers me that in the summertime we have to cap it because we just don't have enough adult leaders to meet meet the appropriate ratio that we have to have to stay within our legalities and so anyways i'm putting it out there because it's a culture thing for us as a community so i said i'd put it out there to our community because i think collectively we can problem solve it how am i for time i got two more Our third priority, our third strategic priority is this, outreach. And I love this because in John 10, this is my favorite part because it's my evangelist heart. But he says this, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. And they will also listen to my voice. I love that Jesus is like, this is not an exclusive thing. This is not uh, get in by your good merits. This This invitation, this open gate is for everybody. It's not exclusive, and I love that, because when I met Jesus in my life, it was just the gates wide open, come through the gate, come to the good shepherd, and I love that, and so I, I, I think as a church, as a community of people who are apprenticing under Jesus, we are we are committed to reaching people. Look, this is what in Mark 2 it says, that Jesus says, he he's like, I did not come for the healthy, but I can't, who need, uh, I didn't. It is not for the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then in Matthew, he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so we primarily do this through two ways. One is through our partnerships. Our local partners, our global partners. Expanding our, our influence, our reach through our partners. And we give away uh, over $100,000 every year because we want to live uh, through our, our practice of generosity. So we're, we want to be radically generous in order to see reach happen. And then the second way that we do it as part of our culture is Alpha. And I want to spend more of our time just for the sake of time on Alpha. But Alpha is one of the best ways to come alongside people in their journey and understanding of Jesus. And this is what Alpha is. Alpha is a series of interactive sessions exploring the basics of the Christian faith. Each session looks at a different question and is designed to create conversation. No two Alphas look the same. They run in coffee shops, churches, bars, prisons, universities, schools and homes there's no pressure no follow-up and no charge it's just an open informal and honest space to explore and discuss life's biggest questions together this calendar year 2023 pastor kristen um gave gave charge and leadership to running alpha and over those two we had 80 people come to alpha um but it's not just like it's not just Chris, kristen or like tnf running alpha it's not a program it's a culture it has to be a culture so the culture is this, that we would be people that are like, we care about people that don't know Jesus. We care about people that aren't, that have not come to him yet. And so I think one of the best tools at our disposal in this generation is, is Alpha and being mindful that and asking God, is there a way that I can run an Alpha in my home or on my campus or in my dorm? How can, you know, who can I invite and how can I engage with that? It's not just like Kristen doing it or TNF doing it, but it's like, it's, it's how can I engage with Alpha? You know, so two two weeks ago on Vision Sunday, I gave the story of my friend who's part of our community, and Alpha was a major part of his story, and I told that story, and it's very moving, and if you missed it, you should watch Vision Sunday. Um, but I wanted to just tell a few stories from this year, people's stories from Alpha this year. And so this story came in from this recent one. This lady shares, she says, I didn't mention this before this is an email. I didn't mention this before, but I had really cool experience the day after our alpha weekend. So part of the alpha is like it's ten weeks, you go away for a weekend. Upon inviting the Holy Spirit to come, so she had invited the Holy Spirit into her life, into her heart. Upon inviting the Holy Spirit to come, God gave me two words, visually, in my mind. In a language, Italian and Latin, that I didn't understand. I've always been intrigued by those who have experienced speaking in tongues. And going into this, I felt a desire to experience it myself. The words were, traversa sancta. I looked them up, and the meaning I found was, come to the holy place. How appropriate that I was praying for the Holy Spirit to come to me, and God invited me to come to his holy place. Revealing his message through a language that I'm not familiar with, as if to let me know there was no question that, uh, there was no question that it was he who was listening and wanting me to know that he was right there with me through the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? You can't just make this stuff up, exclamation mark. It's mind-blowing, exclamation mark. On February 27th, this was in our first round of Alpha in this calendar year, this lady says this. She's like, on February 27th, I received the Holy Spirit. So she had, prayed, she had prayed this prayer, Jesus come into my life. She prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. She says, it was the most beautiful experience of my life. I loved everything about my Alpha experience. Everything was so new to me, and I learned a lot, and I couldn't believe how much joy this experience has brought into my life. Thank you so much for making my experience so beautiful. This gentleman just finished the most recent round. He says this. He says, coming to meetings has helped in all aspects of my life. It's a time that I look forward to every week. It keeps me grounded during the week with the chaos of life. I would gladly do this over again and bring people. And the last one is a story from my friend. Um, we were hanging the other day, and he was telling me this story. And he says, uh, he owns a big company. And he's like, but he, and he just really loves Jesus. And he says, he says, uh, and he's the owner, president uh, of the company. He says, so they have this huge boardroom. He's like, at lunch, at the lunchtime, I was going to start running Alpha in the boardroom. And it's not mandatory, um, but he put it out there to like the whole staff of this company, of his company. And he says, if any of you want to just come to Alpha, uh, we're going to run in the boardroom. He's like, all these people just started coming. All the staff started coming. And, and he's like, we're running it. And he's like, there's one person I thought I should invite, which was his brother, but him and his brother were estranged. He didn't talk to his brother in a while. So he's like, I called up my brother he says, Hey, I'm running Alpha. I'm running this thing called Alpha In m- at lunchtime at, at at my headquarters. You should come and just come. And so his brother reluctant is like, oh, okay, fine. So he comes. And then his brother was just so obnoxious for the first two sessions. Just like super obnoxious. So my friend, my friend kind of pulls him after week two, he says, pulls him into his office, and says, Bro, like, I'm so glad you're here, but if you're gonna be obnoxious, like you can't come. Because you're just you're just being like, like, there's no appropriate words here for this. You're just you're not being kind. And so his brother's like, okay, I'm, I'll change my attitude, I'll change my attitude, I'll, I'll, I'll take it serious, I'll take it serious. So his brother uh, starts to take it serious, starts to keep coming week after week. And near the end of Alpha, uh, makes a decision to follow Jesus, gives his life to Jesus. And it's radical, my friend was telling me, he's like, this was just like, I wasn't really expecting that to be honest, I didn't have that much faith. I just thought this might be helpful like, in his journey, cause, and it might be helpful for our relationship, because we're strange... But I, I, had, I didn't really believe, like, he, like, like, all this. And then all of a sudden, he was telling me, he's like, he's like um, he, his brothers started to make radical life decisions. Like, um, his brother's also in business, also very successful. And so his brothers just starts to give away tons of money, just radically generous. Because Holy Spirit was just working in his life. And he starts to do everything. And then this just past year, he got baptized. And then a few weeks ago, they slid through. They came to TNF. And I saw them, and he's just like, he's just like, bro, I just, I love, I love the teaching, I love it all. And I'm like, man, just like a few months ago or like last year, you're just like, this would not have been a thing. And it's so amazing that when we take steps of faith, what God does. And so it's our culture. We're not, this is not like, this is not an exclusive club, a feel good club. And I'm just, I'm just like, wanna be so clear about that. This is not like, I feel good, I got community, and I'm good. This is not a feel good club. Jesus did not come, the Messiah was not sent to die on a cross so you and I can just feel good. That's not what's going on. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus was sent so he could pay for our sins, something we could not do, so we could be in relationship with him. And guess what, once we come to that reality and that conclusion and we engage in relationship, then there's other people that need to know Jesus. It's not like, I'm good now. That's just, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. And so as a culture, we have to care about people who don't know Jesus. And our culture is through our partnerships, and on the ground, I should say, is through partnerships and through Alpha. is one of the main expressions. Okay, the last one is this, worship. Worship is our fourth priority. And you might be wondering, why is that? Out of all the things we could kind of prioritize, why worship? Worship through the medium of music has been part of the people of God since the beginning. We see the very first song in Exodus, Exodus 15, the song of Moses. They just, they just crossed the Red Sea, and Moses writes a song. First thing he does is, like, let's write a song about it. <laughs> like, Israel's probably like, I don't know if that's quite appropriate. We want to keep moving. We want to keep this moving along, you know, through the promised land. And he's like, let's stop and write a song. And I love that. And I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, but longer than Exodus 15, worship has been part of the kingdom of heaven uh, for all of time. So yes, we see it scripturally. In the scriptures, we see it as early as Exodus 15. But when we get a glimpse into the kingdom, into the throne room, it has always been a thing. And because it's kingdom culture, it has to be our culture. And you might not be musical. I'm not musical. But when I examine the scriptures, I just find it hard to, not, to like, try to scoot around it. And when we look at it, it's because it's kingdom culture. We see this worship service, and we get two pictures of it. In Isaiah six, Isaiah gets goes into this. Um, he he goes into this. The, he goes into the spirit, and he's brought into the throne room, and he sees God sitting on the throne, and he sees worship happening around the throne, and he sees the heavenly creatures and the and the heavenly angels, and they're all worshiping him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Then the second picture we get is in Revelation four and five, which I read last week. We get this picture in Revelation 4 and 5 where John goes into the spirit and he sees in this revelation the throne room of God, the same throne room from Isaiah 6. The throne room of God is surrounded by by the, the heavenly creatures and by 24 elders and they're all bowing down, they're laying their crowns, and there's songs arising and there's worship arising. So yes, we see it as early as Exodus 15, songs birthing out of the people of God. But when we see it in the kingdom, We actually see it happening for eternity. It says day and night, night and day. They never cease their worship because it's kingdom culture. We're not just building church culture. We're stepping into kingdom culture. And that's what's happening in the throne room. So the question for you and I is, should we worship? The question is, no, worship's already happening. That's what's happening in the throne room. The question is, is will you and I enter into the throne room? That's why in the beginning I said worship is a decision, not a feeling. Because I'm going to decide to worship. I don't just feel it. That's why sometimes when I don't feel it, it's a decision. It's not about my feelings. And so we enter in. But then we see in scripture, though, that music is a, is a is priority for the people of God. So we see it at the beginning of Exodus 15. And it was a way of telling the story of God. The reason Moses said, stop, 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 we've got to write a song about this is because he wanted the song to be sung in Israel for generation to generation so they would recall the good things of God. And the lyrics and melodies and anthem of the song would remind them of the deliverance that God had brought. He's like, I don't want this moment to leave your memory. So let's write a song about it so the song reminds you of the goodness of God. And the, me, the medium of music is so helpful to remind ourselves the goodness of God. And it's so true. Even today, I was, I was driving here and I had my music going and I was listening to worship music and, this, and I was having a week I was feeling anxious about some stuff, and I was feeling worried about some stuff. And then this song came on as I was driving, called "Rain Above It All." And as the lyrics were playing in the car, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I was so reminded that He does rain above it all." And my ang- and my anxiety was just checked. It was like, "Oh, why am I being so anxious about it when He's when He's just above everything, and He rains on it all, and He's He rains above it all, and He's in control. Why am I so anxious? Because I'm forgetting that He's in control." And so there's something about music that reminds us of that, but we see in Scripture and it, Paul speaks to this in Ephesians he says don't drink too much don't drink too much wine it cheapens your life but dr- drink of the spirit of god huge huge drafts of him sing hymns sing songs for your heart from your heart to Christ sing praises over everything any excuse for a song to god the father in the name of jesus christ sing it and he's talking to the local churches like in Ephesus he's like just start letting your songs come up and then music in the old testament i love this in the t- music at the temple First, First Chronicles 25, it says that David and the temple officials chose the descendants of Asaph um, to be in charge of music. They were to praise the Lord by playing cymbals, harps, and other stringed instruments. Here's the list of all the musicians and duties. There are 288 of them. I didn't list all 288 duties. Um, take too long. But it's a big choir, isn't it? It's a big team. And then in First Chronicles, the sixth chapter says, these are the men of David put in charge of the music in the house of the Lord after the ark came there to rest. They ministered with music before the tabernacle. Wow. They ministered with music before the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, until Solomon built the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. They performed their duties according to the regulations. And then we get the book of Psalms, which is just a whole song book. Just a whole song book. Psalm 150 says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the tremble and and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is culture. What more could I tell you? I could tell you about that in Ezra 3. There was so much praising and singing and shouting. It was so loud it was heard from miles away. It says that all the people boomed, uh, boomed out hurrahs, praising God as the foundation of the temple of God was laid. As many were noisily shouting with joy, many others other older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple. When they saw the foundation of this temple laid, they wept loudly for joy. People couldn't distinguish the shouting from the weeping. The sound of their voices reverberated for miles around. Or I could tell you about how the King Jehoshaphat sent the worship team and musicians ahead of the army in Second Chronicles. And he's about to go to war against this coalition army. And he's like, you know what the best strategy is? Put the vocalists and the musicians ahead of the military, and we're going to worship our way into battle. And then they were victorious. Or I could tell you about the time in 2 Chronicles 5 where the glory of the Lord came and filled the temple so much that it was like a cloud. An atmosphere of encounter. And it's recorded that, that it was so, such a profound moment that the priests had to stop their duties because they were so overcome by the presence of God. An atmosphere of encounter through their worship. We're raising up a generation of worshipers. There's nothing like being in an atmosphere where the praise is loud. Where, the, where people's hearts are abandoned. There's, I just don't think there's anything like it, because I think it models Isaiah 6 and Revelations 4 and 5, where we're humbled before God, knowing that it's only by his invitation that we're welcomed into his presence, that I didn't earn my way in, that I was invited in and the, the door was open for me and for you. And that all we're left with is not our questions or our, or our thoughts, or, all we're left with is this abandonment before a holy God who I shouldn't even be before, but because of his great love and his great mercy, I have, I have the absolute honor of coming before him. And it should, it should push us and move us into a position of worship. And, and isn't it true, just like when worship arises, like, like when I was at this, I was speaking this thing the other day, that we, the, like the venue lost power. The venue lost power, but the song had already started, the anthems had already started being lifted, and the, so all we had was drums, and my friend Jonathan was on drums, he's just banging. And then there was the anthem with all, there all these young people, all, this anthem just started rising, got so much louder. And, there's the, and it was just when you're in those atmospheres of encounter, people are just abandoning themselves to God. There's just something about it. And people are making a decision to lean in. We want to build a culture of worship and raise up a generation of worshipers. Why? Because it's kingdom culture. Because it's kingdom culture, it's our culture. And I just, and, and I feel like people that have pushed back on me on this when they're like, I don't think it should be about worship. I'm like, you're not going to enjoy your eternity then. <laughs> I'm just trying to prepare you. Because we only get two two windows into the throne room: Isaiah 6, Revelations 4, and 5. And that's all we see going on. I'm just trying to help you. And I want to move people into a place of adoration. Because I think it's, it's kind of impossible to fully comprehend the reality of the gospel and not be moved to a place of worship. And allow our songs to arise. Like even in the old days, in the Old Testament, we saw the song arise. And so we, we long that people would come to experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus. And it's so, it's, it's so audacious. So we're like, well, how are we going to do that? We're going to lead people to Jesus. We call that spiritual formation. We're going to build the local church because that's all we see going on in the New Testament. And then we go one step down. Well, what are we going to do? Actually, how are we going to do those two things on the ground? Two pro- four priorities. Four priorities. That these collective moments are of absolute priority to us atmospheres of cancer where God speaks to us through his word and we engage with him, we, we, we practice our spiritual practices in the lifestyle of Jesus, we care about next generation, we care about reaching people, and our worship because it's the kingdom culture. The, that's what matters to us the most. And we do other so, stuff, but those are our four, like those four things matter because it's, it's, it's what we see Jesus doing and we see what God's doing the, through the work of the Holy Spirit through the New Testament and the Scriptures. And so it matters to us. And I want to I see us lean into this culture. Because I believe we lean into it and we, we, we track the funnel. As we lean into those things and people are formed in the spirit. And the church is built, the healthy local church is built. Because that's the plan. That people will experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus. Amen? Come on. Can I pray for you? Can, let's stand. Team, you can come back. I'd love to pray for us. The team will lead us in response. How appropriate to end on this thought of worship. And then we'll respond with music as our medium for worship. God, we're thankful for the invitation to come into your presence. It's not earned. It's freely given. And I don't take that for granted, God. Thank you that you love us so much that you invite us into your presence. You invite us into the throne room. So all we simply say, God, is we join. We make a decision, God, to join what's already going on. As people have come to know you, God, we come in to join what's already happening in the heavens, what's already happening in your throne room, what's already happening in eternity, and we simply join into what's been going on, God. We pray for our city, God. We pray for Langley and Surrey and our region, God, that people who the thief is stealing life from, where the, the thief is lying, stealing, killing, and destroying, God, we pray that people would find abundant life through the open gate with the Good Shepherd. We pray, God, that our city and our workplaces and our gyms and our cof- coffee shops and the places we frequent would be different, but God, because your presence is in us and going with us, God. And those places would be different, God. People's lives would be different. Schools would be different. Campuses would be different, God. It'd be different, God, because people are starting to see the lies of the enemy but starting to lean into the reality of heaven, that you've come to bring abundant life,
3: in
0: Jesus, you're my hope and stay, so teach
3: my song to rise to you, when temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand alone. Give us the We ourselves we-
1: Say. if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave it up for us as we go this week may you be reminded of the goodness of God that he loves you his favors on you to walk into the abundant life and the gates wide open may be encouraged as you go this week we'll see you next week